All right. Happy New Year, everybody. You know, welcome to Every Nation Church Malaysia. Man, it's so great to be with you this morning. And, you know, we just want to welcome everyone into the new year, even as we start. And, you know, I hope and I pray that everyone will participate, will join with us in our prayer and fasting. You know, every year when we do this, we often, frequently, always hear of God speaking through God, bringing breakthrough uh, for people and your lives. You know, I remember one of the years that we did this, I had a friend and she was praying for a financial breakthrough and she needed a massive amount for her house, okay? And then suddenly during that week, she told me that her uncle invited her to her home, to his home and told her that he was going to give her this large sum of money to help her get this house. Wow. And many times uh, during this time of year as well, when you pray and fast, you will hear direction from God. Because when you pray and fast, what, what is happening is you're aligning your heart by disciplining your body, you're aligning your spirit, you're tuning in to what God has to say and what God is leading you through your life, okay? So thank you, Pastor Steve, for that. And we're going to talk more about prayer and fasting uh, during the Q&A session. So I just encourage everyone to stay for that, you know, if you have any questions later. But again, welcome and Happy New Year. I just want to send my Happy New Year greetings from myself and my family, my wife, Rizal, my two uh, best kids in the world, Hudson and Hannah. You know, we are just loving being together last year, spending so much time together, right? I think that is a momentous occasion that uh, all four are stuck in a home, and uh, like many of you, but being with family and learning and growing about each other, uh, learning about each other and growing, okay? So usually about this time of year, um, people do a little bit of reflecting. Am I right? Uh, some of you are setting goals. I see a lot of my friends on, on the social medias, you know, writing their goals and asking people, what are you grateful for? And this is the time that you kind of start anew, afresh. It's a new blank page. You look back and you be grateful and you look forward and you plan about the things that you want to do. And one of the, the ways that you can plan forward, actually, is by thinking about what do you regret? What do you regret in 2020? Okay, so I'm going to ask all those watching this online, you know, you can type out. This is one way that you can help plan forward, actually. This, this is thinking about your regrets. What do you regret in 2020? Meaning, uh, if you ask yourself this question, you can type it in the comment section, okay? I'll read some of it out later. What is one thing you want to do less of in this year? Okay. What is one thing you want to do less of? Maybe in 2020, you spent too much time on Netflix, too much time on social media. Maybe 2021, you want to say, I want to spend less time on social media. Okay, so what is one thing that you want to spend uh, less time of? See, that's a regret framework. You're looking at your year in your life, okay? Because you regret spending so much time on that, okay? What is one thing that you want to do more of in 2021, right? That's where you look back at last year and you think, oh man, I should have done more of that. You know, I should have spent more time with this person or that person. I should have spent more time in the gym, okay? So that's a regret framework. You're looking back. So what is one thing you want to do more of in 2021? Just write your answers in the comment section. And if you did that exercise, 
This is what you'll discover about your regrets. There are two kinds of regrets. The first kind is things you wish you should have done. I should have, you look back at your year and you think, I should have done this, and therefore my life would have been better. I should have done that, right? I should have entered into that. I should have opened, gone through that door, but I didn't. And you look back at that event and you regret it. I should have. The other kind of regret that people live with is the kind of regret that I shouldn't have done that. Right? You did something, but you wish you didn't do it. Uh, I can see some people already writing in. They're saying here, uh, one thing they want to do more of is exercise more. One the thing that Carolyn says here, one thing she wants to do less of is eat less. Okay, thank you for sharing. And so two kinds of regrets. The second regret is things that you I did, but wish you didn't do. You ate too much, like Carolyn says, right? And you wish that's the other kind of regret. But the only kind of regret that matters is the intensity of the regret that you feel. Okay, let me explain to you uh, what I mean. See, there is the kind of regret that you reach at a moaning pain. Okay, let's say you didn't exercise and you moan about it. Oh, I feel so fat. I feel so bloated. Oh, you know, Christmas. Oh, moaning. Right? But does it move you to the gym? Potentially not. Because the only kind of regret that matters that will change your life is the one that triggers your moving pain. So two kinds of pain when you have regrets. There's a moaning pain. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should have done that. And then there's moving pain. Because man, I shouldn't have done that. Next time, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life differently. Moving pain. That is the kind of regret that matters. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says this, There is godly grief that produces repentance, that leads to salvation without regret. That means this person is experiencing godly grief, experiencing so much pain that he says, Man, I'm never doing that thing again. I repent of that. Godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regrets. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And then there's another kind of grief. He says, the worldly grief produces death. Meaning, it's like the moaning pain. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, but does it cause you to repent and change? Uh, potentially, it doesn't, okay? So, there are two kinds of regrets. There's the regret that you should have done. There's another regret that you shouldn't have done. And then there's different kinds of intensity when you feel those regrets. There's the moaning intensity where you just, uh, you know, just complain about the pain. But then there's a moving intensity where it causes you to repent. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 calls that a godly grief that leads to repentance. Repentance is the change that you experience because of the grief. You know, why am I talking about regrets? And uh, it's because we're still in the series of our gift exchange, right? Last, last year, we ended the series with gift exchange and we, uh, we skipped one weekend that we were supposed to share this, we, uh, this message and we thought, hey, why not start this year by, you know, properly looking back and how do we use the things that happened to us in 2020 as a stepping stone for things in 2021? So I want to say that sometimes we think about regrets and we think, oh, regrets are bad, you know, live life without regrets. But I want to tell you this, that regrets are good. Regrets are good if it leads you into making better decisions for tomorrow. Regrets are good if 
It leads you to make better decisions for tomorrow. In fact, God had regrets. Did you know that? God had regrets. I'm going to read for us 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10, and we're going to kind of use the story of Samuel and the king Saul and God, and we're going to use this story as a way to illustrate how we should manage and how we should integrate regrets in our life, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10, you can see some people here saying, oh, they want to have more marriage time. People here say, well, less of TV drama. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Eddie and Karen. All right, so uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I've made Saul king. Now, God said this. God can have regret. So God tells Samuel, Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned back from following me and has not carried my commands. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 12, God here has regret. Now, this is not the only place that God says that he regrets. There's another place that God says he regrets, but in this chapter, you will find that he talks about it three times that he regrets. There's another uh, book in the Bible where it talks about regrets, where God says he regrets. Okay, you can uh, go out and find that yourself. I'm going to tell you. Okay, go and do your research. But that's what God said. See, God said Saul was the first king of Israel. And Samuel was the prophet that had anointed him king. God told Samuel, Samuel, this is the person you should choose to be king. This, I want this person to be my first king. Right? And, and throughout Saul's life, you know, he, there were many parts that he succeeded. He did well. But there were two occasions where he failed. And this is the second occasion. And what happened was, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and you uh, go back, you go, I'm just going to uh, hit the, the key points of the story. You go back and you read it. It's a beautiful drama about the, the king, the prophet, and the, and the God. And, but what happened is God says to Samuel, and says, Samuel, send Saul on a mission. I want Saul to destroy the Amalekites, leave nothing alive. Kill the, the sheep, the oxen, everyone. All right? Saul goes off. He does mighty battle. He destroys them, except Saul keeps alive the sheep and the oxen and King Agad, king of the Malachites. And when Samuel, when, when God spoke to Samuel, you know, the text that we read, because God saw, man, the soul didn't follow my, all my commands. I told him to kill everybody, but still he kept the king alive and all the sheep and oxen alive. And God tells Samuel, Samuel, you go and tell Saul right now that I have chosen somebody else to be king. That he has broken my commands. And this is the second time that he's done it. So I've chosen another king. And Samuel is filled with grief. He's so sad because Samuel and Saul are like, Samuel is like the father to Saul. They're like really close friends. And, and Samuel, it says that he, he was grieved and he mourned the whole night. And the next day he went to Saul and he says, Saul, God has taken away your kingdom. And, and Saul's like, what, what, what? I did everything the Lord told me to. And, and, Sam, and Samuel says, did you? Then why do I hear sheep bleeping? And then Saul says, oh, it's not my fault, Prophet Samuel. It's the people's fault. They wanted to keep the sheep. They wanted to keep the oxen. And they said they wanted to do sacrifice to the Lord. 
right? And Samuel says, this is where you get the famous verse, obedience is better than sacrifice. Even Jesus uh, rehearses this verse. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But God had moved on already. He experienced regret. God said, you know, I regret choosing Saul as my king, and I've chosen another king already. But on the other hand, what did Samuel do with his regret? Okay? You see, our regret can be a stopping stone, or it can be a stepping stone. For Samuel, for God, his regret had become a stepping stone. Because of that regret, he made a better decision. The next king that he chose was, surprise, surprise, King David. And he says, the king after my own heart. That regretful decision led to God choosing a better, suitable king. But for Samuel, this regretful event caused in him to be a stopping stone. And you know what that's like, right? You regret something in the past that you did, an event that happened in your life, and you said, I will never trust anyone anymore. I'm only going to trust one person because that person betrayed me, that person betrayed me. From now on forward, I'm just going to put trust in myself. So that event becomes a stopping stone for this individual who thinks like that, right? I'm never going to trust anyone, so it becomes a stopping stone. It stops you from trusting anyone else in your life. So regrets can be a stopping stone. It stops you from stepping through the opportunity. The last time I did that, I got my fingers burned. You know, I failed at it. The last time I led a life group, I failed. The last time I, I, I became, took up a leadership uh, experience, I failed. You know, I regret that behavior. And now, you know what? It becomes a stopping stone for you. You don't want to become a leader ever again. That's when regret becomes a stopping stone. The last time I, I tried to apologize to this person, you know, they snapped back at me. After that, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to apologize to anyone anymore. Right? You, know, you know what I'm talking about? When regret can become a stopping stone, stopping you from greater decisions in your life. Like Samuel, because this is what Samuel does. In fact, God tells him, Samuel, First Samuel 15, 35, Samuel mourned for Saul, right? Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, had to talk to Samuel and says, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Now you can imagine because Samuel and Saul are very close friends. And Samuel is there and he's grieving and he's sad and he's mourning. He's probably in depression, doesn't want to go out, doesn't want to eat food. He's just at home, sulking over having a pity party. Oh... So, right? And God has to speak to him. and says, how long are you going to be allow this event to become a stopping stone in your life? And we all have a King Saul in our, in our life. Something you put hope in and it failed you. Something you did and you're ashamed that you're ashamed of. Something that is holding you back because of a decision that you made, because of the pain that you experienced in the past. We all have a King Saul that we are mourning over. And God knows what it's like to feel regret, right? That's why in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 35, he says, Samuel mourned for Saul, and, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king over Israel. And this isn't the first time that the Scripture says that God experiences regret. So what do we do 
when we have regrets? How do we turn our regrets from a stopping stone that hinders us, that limits us from stepping out, from going through new opportunities, new relations, new decisions in our lives? How do we stop our regrets from limiting us? Um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, it says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal of the prize upwards of the call of Jesus Christ. So one thing that I do, Paul says, all right, I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward that goal for the prize upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature, let us have this attitude. Are you mature or are you a baby? That's what Paul was saying. If you are mature, he says, what you do is, if you are an adult, this is what you do. And if you want to be treated like a mature adult, this is what you do. The first thing you do is forget what lies behind and you reach forward what lies ahead. And he says, all those mature. Now, if you are not in the category of maturity, then that's fine. That's fine. Then those of you who want to remain in childlikeness, in children, baby, Christian spirituality, that's fine. Then you remember what's behind and you live with it. That's why if you want to live as a childish, uh, childish spirituality, okay, fine. Okay? Allow your regrets to become a stopping stone for you. But here, Paul says, forget what, what's behind and I press forward to what lies ahead. Yes, we take time to grieve our loss. We take time to mourn our actions. We take time to grieve our mistakes and our sin in our lives. That's part of the process. Mourning the regret that happened, the, the brokenness that, that happened, the wrong decision that happened, grieving over that. That's the normal process, and you should experience that. Why? That pain that you uh, absorb and you, you surrender and you give to God, that pain will allow you to, you can turn it into energy so that you can make better decisions in the future. It, you change it from moaning pain to become moving pain. So grieve your mistakes. That's why in Corinthians it says godly grief. When you look back at something, you look at that bad decision that you made. If you allow godly grief to overcome you, you will realize, man, I will never do that again. You change moaning pain to moving pain when you allow grief to take over, but you don't just stay there. You then turn it into something positive for the future. God used his regret to then decide, you know what, I'm going to choose a better king. Samuel chose his regret and stayed depressed and sad and pity. But God had already moved on. And, and in the same way, God forgot what was behind and pressed on to what was in front of him, which is King David. And I know it's hard. It's hard to let go of your regrets especially if you've lived with them for so long. And especially if you feel like the regret that you're feeling is 
justifiable, right? I should feel this bad towards that person. I should be afraid to take that next step. It's hard to allow that grief to cause you to move, to make a new decision. But when you take time to grieve your loss, use that pain to become a stepping stone. So you be like God and choose a better king. Okay, this next verse, it says, and God says to, to, um, to Saul, is that the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. You know, if you read that text, it says that I've, uh, God tells Samuel that I've chosen a king after my own heart, okay, who is better than you. Samuel says to Saul, and the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret. So God says, I had regret, but I'm not going to live with regret for he is not a man that he should have regret. This is what happens when you allow that regret and you turn it into something good. It becomes a testimony for you. You can tell other people that, you know, I lived my life a certain way. I abused my body, abused my relationship, abused my finances, but then I learned from it. And this is the now where I live. I made a better decision. This is how my life has changed. That regretful event now becomes a stepping stone, becomes a testimony for your life. So you don't have to live with that regret anymore. It becomes a part of this beautiful story in your life. But it only happens when you allow yourself to mourn that grief, give it to God, and then step forward in faith. Man, this year, 2020, we can look back and see many regretful decisions that you made, but you can grieve over it and don't allow it to become a stopping stone, but make it into a stepping stone. So it's hard to live without regret. But here is the promise that the Lord has given you, okay? Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, though you and I have sinned, and maybe God, if, if without Jesus, God will look at Pastor Balan and says, you know what, Pastor Balan, I have chosen a better pastor than you. Excuse me. Pastor Balan, I've chosen a better husband for Azel than you. I've chosen a better father for uh, Hudson and Hannah than you. Right? I, I, you know, I re, you know, maybe the Lord will look at me and say, I regret choosing you. But because of Jesus, God looks at you as if, looks at you without regret because of what Jesus has done. Because all of God's regrets, He has placed on the cross with Jesus Christ. God relates to you, not based on your sin, but based on your faith. Where have you put your faith? Where have you put your trust? Where have you put your hope? Is it in your own strength and own behavior? But if you put your hope, your faith in Jesus Christ, God relates to you based on your faith. So when God looks at you, He is not regretful over making you. He does not regret that one second. Why? Because of what Jesus has done in your life. Right, that's why in, in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new year. This person is a new creation. Last year has gone, and a new year has come. He has made him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus. Jesus didn't know any sin, 
to be sin. So Jesus became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Wow! You have become a new creation. You have become the righteousness, the perfection, the goodness of God. So when Jesus looks at you, uh, when God looks at you, He doesn't see regret. He sees the righteousness of Himself. He sees a mirror. He sees a mirror. He sees His reflection. You've been made in the image of God. And when Jesus has come, He sees a mirror. He doesn't look in the mirror and feels regret. Do you think God looks at the mirror and feels regret? No! Man, so using that, knowing that God looks at you without regret, you can look at the events in your life, regretful event, painful event, mourning event, grieving event. Use it as a stepping stone for the future. Yes, those events were bad and painful and hurt, hurtful. But it can become like guardrails, right? Guardrails. When you drive a car near the cliff areas, right, there are guardrails at the side there to stop you from falling off the cliff and down to your death. The guardrails, when you hit your car there, it doesn't kill the driver. It hurts the driver, yes. But you feel it, then you align back to the safety. Your regret can become like a guardrail in your life. You know that I never want to experience that again, therefore I will never do that again. Wow. And because of what God has done, Jesus has done in your life, you have the liberty, the freedom to choose a better king. You don't have to submit to the king of regret. You can submit to the king of faith. You don't have to submit to the king of grief. You can submit to the king of faith. You can choose a better king. One uh, regretful action that I took in my life, I think, and I still remember it till today, is I, I feel like it's changed me, okay? Is that during my wedding, okay, uh, this is a long time ago, 2013, okay, 2013, uh, that's when I got married. And I remember, you know, we, I, I invited some, some friend, uh, this particular friend, very close to me, I would consider him one of my best friends growing up. Um, but he lives the alternative lifestyle, okay, so 2013, I was already you know, graduated from school world missions. I was already like a pastor in church. Uh, I wasn't a pastor, but you know, I was, I was a leader in church, a full-time ministry. And, and I thought I had this whole like righteousness, grace thing all worked out. So during my wedding, you know, a friend messaged me and asked me, hey, you know, I invited him and said, hey, can you come to my wedding? You know, I'd love to celebrate with you guys. He's one of my best friends growing up. And he asked me, can I bring my boyfriend? Can I bring my boyfriend? And I told him no. You know, you know it was a hectic uh, season. I don't know, that's, that's a lame excuse. But I, I, I told this best friend of mine, 
no, you don't bring your boyfriend. And I remember during the, the worship time, uh, during my wedding, and I, you know, I, was, I, was, I was grateful, I was thanking God for all He's done, and then suddenly there was a thought that came to my mind, and the thought was, hey, Balan, if, you, if only perfect people are allowed at your wedding, then even you won't be here. Maybe only Razelle is there. And I, and I realized that because my friend didn't come. And that pain, that grief that one of my best friends didn't come because I was being self-righteous, man, it, it changed me to this day. It becomes like a self-righteous meter for me. When I judge other people because of their lifestyle and... And it's, it's not as if I'm enabling his behavior. I just had so much self-righteousness. I should have just said yes. And there could have been an opportunity for me to, I don't know, speak into his life, but I, whatever, right? But he, he was just there to celebrate with me and he wanted to bring his, his boyfriend. And I regret that. But it became for me like a light bulb saying, hey, Balan, you accidentally became a Pharisee. So, that event, you know, helped me. And I hope that today I've changed, that I'm less of a Pharisee, though my, uh, my, my, my wife would uh, disagree. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, I, I, I've, I've moved at least from one place to another. Philippians 3.13. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal, to the prize that is upward, call before me in Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to take the Holy Communion in a minute. Uh, so can I just have the team? Don't waste your regrets. Don't waste it. Regrets are good. If you allow time to grieve over it, you embrace the pain and you learn from it, then in the future, it won't become just a regret. It will become a stepping stone for something greater, more awesome in the future. Um, we're going to take the communion now. So I'm just going to give everybody just a couple of minutes uh, to get your communion uh, ready. And I hope that you've been blessed by this message. I hope that moving to 2021, yes, you're going to make some mistakes. Yes, you're going to say things and do things that you will regret. But let this be a year where every regret you will turn into something new. Every pain, every grief that you experience will become a guardrail so that you will walk in the path of faith, path of hope, path of, of, of greatness that God has called you. So does everybody have their communions? We're just going to remember right now what, 
what Jesus has done for us, okay? Yeah. Please just take your cracker and get it ready. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things has passed away and behold, new things have come. Through the broken body of Christ on the cross, you have become a new creation. Let's take your wafer, your bread together. Through the blood of Jesus, He has paid for all our sins. He has paid for remission of our sins. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. The old things have passed away. The new man, the new being has come through the blood of Jesus. Let's take the juice together. Okay, let's pray and then we'll just worship. Father, we thank you that you have enabled us, you've given us the power to turn the things of the past into stepping stones for the future. We thank you, Father, for you have shown us what it means to embrace regret to mourn it, to grieve it, and yet to choose better for the future. We thank you, Lord, that the new has come, the Saul has gone, and the David has come. We thank you, Lord, that the old man has gone, but the new man is here because of your spirit, because of what Jesus has done. So God, I pray for the wisdom and the courage to embrace our regrets, not waste it, but to turn it into an event, a stepping stone for the future. That God, that will take our regrets and we will shape it and allow it to change us to become a better kind of king for you, Lord. So we thank you, Jesus, for your awesomeness and your greatness in our lives. And God, I just bless everyone watching this right now. God, may 2021, like you said, that new things has, have come for them, Lord. Uh, new things in your family, new things in your relationship, new things in your ministry, God. I just pray for a year of fruitfulness. I pray for a year of harvest in every area of their life, Lord, whether it's their physical health, whether it's their mental health, their um, relational health. God, I just pray that this year will be a year of harvest. Everything that they felt like they've lost in the past, God, you will quadruple 
it in their lives, Lord. Tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold, a hundredfold, everything that they've sown, everything that felt like they've lost, God, they've only sown it for a season so that they will reap a massive, massive harvest this year. Everybody watching this right now will receive this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.